Dun dun Air Force. Dun dun Air Force. Air Force. Power Rangers. Gonna, gonna fight, fight these, these wars, wars forever. forever. <laughs> Rangers and residents of Turtle Cove. For the last time, welcome to the <laughs> Sends High Truther Club. I am your host, Grav, and with me is my lovely comrade, Kennedy. Hey, everybody. Hi. And, oh, you were a bit more excited before this. Don't talk. <laughs> um, I mean, I, before we continue, I want to I talk about, obviously, every time we do a season review, I always peel back the curtain a little bit. And I just want to say a big thank you to Matt again for sending us a link to that Judd Lynn letter. We also got his, their fan letter, and that was awesome. And we got to learn a little bit more about some of the culture regarding the the Power Rangers actual actors, how the back scene, like a lot of the the backstory to how the seasons developed as well, I think was a huge boon into us understanding where we are today in reference to what Power Rangers seasons we're watching. So uh, big shout outs to Matt, big shout outs to Kennedy for persevering uh, through this bad series. <laughs> Uh, like we've stated before, it, it really did like take a lot out of us. And unfortunately, this was another season where not only did we have the biggest amount of episodes to watch so far, but also it turned out all of the filler episodes were canon. And it like there's maybe one that we'll talk about that can be cut. And there probably is a couple of others that could be cut, but realistically speaking on the onset everything is canon which sucks because the content is slow and bad so it's like it's canon but it, you're getting dribbled out the canon material that you actually need or care about in these tiny shitty doses in every single episode so i think originally there was seven episodes that were filler I would go so far as to say about at least three to four of those episodes are good, and those and those three to four are better than a lot of the canon episodes yeah. that we did watch. Agreed. Um, so it, it's really it's another one of those seasons where yet again we were disappointed by the internet, but also like it's rough. And I'm just gonna state side so what you guys know from the get. I don't have a lot of recollection on the first half of this season. Prior to Merrick joining the team, and maybe even during a little bit of Merrick's uh, ongoing saga in the beginning too, uh, I just, a lot of it's a big blur. I, yeah, I just want to be clear. This season, first of all, is terrible. We're going to be talking about that a lot, but this is awful. Terrible television. And yet, we watched every episode of Wild Force. Uh, I told Grav before we even started recording, I don't want to be here for three hours today talking about this shitty fucking season that I'm basically sick of thinking about. So, like, there's no... I've, I'm just going to warn y'all up front. There's no way we're doing thorough recapping. We watched way too much shit, and it was a mess. Yeah. Um, and we're going to do our best to recap some important things that happen along the way, some of the major arcs and stuff, and talk about, like, highlight some individual episodes for different reasons. I think by the end of this, we're, you're going to be a lot more surprised about me and where I land. 
in in the final ratings and stuff. But again, like any of the positives is in spite of how bad Wild Force is. Yeah. I don't think it's because of how good Wild Force is that it gets any sort of points for me. No, it's not like a secret sort of hidden gem quality shining through at any point. It's just that some of the decisions that they made were okay in theory and would have maybe worked especially in a different context or something like there's a lot about this season that almost works and there's aspects of the plot when it finally comes together that are ultimately kind of satisfying but again it's this drip feed pace that is so laborious and nonsensical that it makes trying to enjoy those things hard yeah and i'm not gonna spend two hours on this so let, let's get started let's go uh, yeah <laughs> so lionheart and darkness awakening we've already covered in our intro episodes as you guys yep. know uh we fucking hated it cole is an extremely problematic character and they justify killing the monsters in this season in particular by saying that they don't have hearts something that is a plot device that they use till the very end but also contradict Till the very end. Yes. Because what constitutes a heart? Also, uh, literally, the entire plot of, like, the major villain plot revolves around the org heart. <laughs> like, a thing called a heart, which is sort of ironic in its own. And they kind of explain that, but it's also just kind of like, okay, whatever. It's kind of like, they do have a heart, but it's just a heart of darkness that... Like, if they had, if they had said, like... <laughs> They have a heart, but it's filled with darkness. I'd be like, you know what? That's a Kingdom Hearts ass explanation, but I'll take it. Yeah, um, like if he if he had said like, you know, if Cole had been like, oh, that there's a heart in there, but it's no longer speaking or something, or you know, like it's like it's gone silent. Yeah, and that like, that sort of it's in itself has a has a bit of a if if the the writers were more well cultured. Islam talks about that in the in the Quran, uh, where like your heart could be shut off from from God, but unfortunately, you know, they're just wanting to put some Department of Defense ass sort of writing in there. Yeah, and ultimately, again, it doesn't really make sense because some of the orgs clearly have feelings and emotions and are capable of good. Is something that we learn over the course of the season, and also. Master Org isn't even an org. He's a person. So yeah. the head of all the evil is a human. Yeah. We're going to skip forward into click, click, zoom, click, click, zoom. The main thing about this is Taylor accepting Cole as the leader. Mm -hmm. And the main... Whatever. It's okay. Click, click, zoom has one interesting moment, though, that there's a ranger rulebook written in perfect English. And Cole is able to read it just fine. Cole reads through the entire Ranger rulebook just fine. And then just goes, there should only be one rule, teamwork. And like, that's the, that's the message. Cool. All right, moving on. Uh, Never Give Up with Danny Delgado is, was one of my runner-ups for best of episode. Never Give Up. I love Danny. Uh, I think Danny is probably the shining star of the whole season, Danny and Alyssa. And it's these filler episodes that got caught that really accentuate their character. 
and you learn that Danny is a florist who has a crush on a girl that he works with. And, you know, he's having to basically like, this is like sort of like a part one in, in Danny's arc of like accepting the fact that there's a greater responsibility being a power ranger than, you know, trying to develop a relationship with somebody at this point in time. And it's a very sweet episode and it features a bromance between Danny and Max. And okay. this bromance accentuates Max's character too. It, it uplifts Max's character. Bromance? Those two are gay. <laughs> uh, Danny is at I, least I, bisexual. I, I well, okay, they might not be f like strict gay, but they're gay for each other. Okay, listen, folks, we'll get. I I'll get more into this. When we talk about the finale probably, but uh, in a minute. But uh, my head canon is that that girl at the flower shop does not exist. <laughs> no, the girl at the flower shop definitely does exist. <laughs> Danny reminds me of an IRL friend that I that that I'm best friends with. And um, that person that I know is also uh, bisexual and is that sort of like compassionate type of human being and very emotional and stuff like that. And I yeah, respect no, that. I, could, I could see it. I could see it. I'm just messing with you. But yeah, you're good. You're good. But yeah, no, Max, that, though, that's more Ma than a bromance. Max's character doesn't have any sort of like romance about him it seems and uh he's straight up like him and Danny have this sort of uh relationship together where Max is very codependent on Danny and Danny's kind of like his his uh his confidant of sorts and it is very it's a very charming thing on screen um, it's yeah. unfortunate that this happened in a filler episode because I would have felt way more positive about Max prior, you know, this would have, uh, rather this than going Max back. Out. But yeah, Max and Danny, there's something about the way that they interact throughout a lot of the episodes. This is definitely one of them, though, that is very like anime slice of life. Like these two don't know that they're in love yet. <laughs> Like, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, um, I'd be willing to think that that Max is definitely gay just because like he exudes zero for for typically the guys are like, I'm a man. I have crush on women, you know, like type of deal. Yeah, No, we've seen Max guys. Does not, Max does not exude any sort of like toxic masculinity or anything like that. But he also doesn't exude like any sort of romance or like like romantic feelings towards anyone during the course of these 40 episodes that we've watched that normally Haim Saban is perfectly like, yo, we need to like, you know, even with Billy, literally, they were like Billy needs to have a sort of like relationship. Adam needs to like be horny for a woman. Max Billy just gets didn't have that at horny all. for a woman like three times. Yeah, like three times. Max, not once is he ever the only person he's ever looking at longingly or with that loving concern. The only person whose words he's ever hanging on in these 40 episodes is Danny. And that's just a fact. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's true. There's just something very funny about it. And especially uh, how it ends is very interesting in that regard. Uh, yep. But 
uh yeah they they those two there's something about that um it's a very I, I... weird season in general where there seems to be some unspoken implications about a lot of the characters and things going on too so i don't think like it's too much to like read even a little more into this season than we normally would as sentai truthers because this is a this is a season of suggestion yeah, I will say that the canon episodes, you have to pull teeth out just to get any sort of like truthing in it or like read between the lines. But surprisingly, the filler episodes are much more uh, empathetic to that. Uh, also, I would like to say that Never Give Up introduces the catchphrase that they use throughout the season, which is just, it's just never give up. And unfortunately, I literally watched Galaxy Quest right before this. So every time they say no. never give up, I just go, never give up, never surrender. <laughs> <laughs> this is this episode's like an eight, I would say. Never give up is definitely like an eight. Um, it's at least a seven for me as well. Yeah, like it's like a seven or an eight. It's really strong. Yeah. Ancient Awakening. Something happens. They get There's a Zord. <laughs> they have the elephant. Wishes on the water. They get the giraffe. Bare let's talk, okay, let's just talk about so that we can really truly feel justified in just rushing through these. Let's just talk about how many Zords there are in this season and that for a second so that we could just then not talk about it anymore because it would be so repetitive for us to just be like, and then they get another Zord and here's how they get it. Like, there's only a few times it's particularly interesting. We highlighted one of those in the best and worst episodes. Yeah. The deer Zord. Basically, um, the first half of the season is them getting auxiliary Zords that they can like combo into like different Zords. Cool idea. Um, <laughs> sometimes it actually works really well in the show. Like we've we've said that the giraffe or not the giraffe, the deer Zord is a cute, a really cute wild kind of sword that we would love to have a plushie <laughs> of. But the the A plot that gets to that point is so forgettable that I can't really comment much on this. So yes. it's just like, whatever, dog. Cool, you got a new Zord. Like, if it wasn't for the fact that they got new Zords, these episodes wouldn't be canon. I would have opted to cut these out. This would be a Zeo like season where there where it's only like 17 out of 40 episodes are canon if it wasn't for the fact that they introduced these auxiliary zords. Yeah, if you ignored everything else about the episode, it's just them fighting an org. There's no real interesting villain plots in most of them because the villain plot moves at a glacial pace. There's no real interesting things going on with the Rangers in particular most of the time outside of rare episodes like uh, Never Give Up, which we just mentioned. So most of the episodes are just, it's a monster of the week. Oh, except also we need to get a new Zord. And there's like a really slight new puzzle to get the little gem that lets you summon the Zord every time. But the new puzzle isn't actually interesting most of the time. It's just like, go to a certain place or talk to a specific person or something. Um, yeah. And get used to the fact that the Savage Sword kills enemies because they literally do it till the finale. Yeah. So a lot of these episodes end the same way too in the regular Ranger in the regular Ranger forms before they even get into the Zord. And like, 
yo, like seeing Toxica do her magic spell to make it go grow big. Every time she does it, it's like Jack and the Beanstalk type deal where she <laughs> she spits out some legumes from her fucking staff. And then the monster, it, it like fucking grows into a giant beanstalk that ends up turning out to be the monster. And it's just, it sucks every time. It's actually a very like awful viewing experience. And they don't really do a good job of tying the swords together to the conclusions well, like you're kind of hinting at with like the savage sword and stuff too. It's like they get a new sword, but it doesn't really seem like it was actually crucial to them winning because they hardly use it. You know, like, yeah, thing is, too, is that normally when you get episodes that introduce new arsenal and it's ranger focused, the main a plots normally good. But in this case, it's just a means to an end. Of, of getting a new power up, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So they don't do anything with it. Wishes of the wishes on the water is a Max gets the draft sword. Uh, Bare Necessities, we reviewed in the best and worst. This is the Air Force episode where Taylor becomes a, a proto QAnon truther and <laughs> utilizes her joining the Air Force to become a sort of Amelia Earhart type figure and visit the Animarium and ends up becoming a Power Ranger in doing so. Yeah, and they get the two Bear Zords, if you couldn't guess from the name. Yeah, that one I would, like, no matter what, Bear Necessities, I think, is probably one of the few Zord acquisition episodes that adds to a character. Unfortunately, it's in a very negative way. Yeah, yeah. I just want to say, I theoretically like this get new Zords thing. I really wanted to like it the whole time. The, like, different alternate combination Megazords and stuff, I like things like that. Like, I, I'm the kind of person when I watch Gundam, I'm a nerd when I'm like, oh, that's the, that's a Zaku one, you know, or something, <laughs> you know, like, a, like the, there's a rare suit on screen. I get hype. So, like, I really wanted to be here for all of this shit. I just really want to emphasize that again. Uh, to be fair, I didn't know Wild Force was going to be this bad. I thought, based off of the fandom, that this was just going to be an okay season. And then it ended up being shit. <laughs> but yeah, no, like our expectations yeah. of this were at least somewhat decent, I would say. I thought it would at least be okay. We just came off of two pretty good seasons, you know? Yeah. Um, I thought there would be, you know, unfortunate changes to this season because of 9-11. But I thought that ultimately I was like, oh, it probably won't be that bad. Like it'll probably still feel like the Power Rangers. But overall, this doesn't really feel like the Power Rangers. It tends to me to feel like as if, I kind of think I mentioned this in the intro episode, but it's like, it's almost like this is like a lost, like preseason before all the others where they were still figuring it out. Or it's also almost as if in another ways, or in other ways, like, like they were dumbing it down for, an even younger audience, but not in the sense that they're just dumbing the show down, but like it felt like they made a new show capitalizing on the popularity of the Power Rangers, but for even younger kids. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, it's just weird shit all yeah. the way around with this fucking 
crap ass season just being so bad. Yeah. Uh, um, soul searching is another Zord. It's the bird. It's the soul bird. Not soul bird yet. Sucks. It's a two parter technically. Soul searching and soul bird salvation is a is kind of a sort of a two parter. I I wanna I wanna like I'm on the Wikipedia for these episode descriptions just because um I I honestly like a lot of this shit's a blur. Uh, I think this is the part where we stopped watching together. I think it was around the Soul Bird, Soul Bird Salvation. And again, this is another time where we stop watching together and the season gets slightly better right after. But uh, yeah, the Soul Bird Zord, in this episode description for Soul Searching, the last sentence reads, after Bulldozer Org is destroyed, the Rangers find a Soul Bird egg and Cole becomes sad because the little chick won't know its mother. Dot, 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 like him. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> uh Soulbird Salvation. Rangers are fucking getting destroyed. Soulbird egg hatches and becomes the big soul bird and it restores the Zord the Zord and it's supposed to give it more powers or it's supposed to make it stronger, but in reality, the only thing that the soul bird does is get rid of the animation of the the rangers leaping into the sky and becoming one with the zords and mind melding with them and instead it's just uh you're a soul bird so you you're hopping on the soul bird ship thing and and you're mind melding with them but you got the protection of being inside the soul bird i guess somewhat maybe i don't know this is bad anyways <laughs> curse of the wolf happens and this introduces uh aaron hansen into the show but first he's evil so he has this really cool design zen aku is this sort of like think of riku in kingdom hearts one when he gets consumed by the heartless and he thinks he's ansem it's like that sort of plot line yeah but instead zen aku is the sort of ansem half of riku first appearing before you even get to know about riku it's pretty pog. I like it. Zenaku is good. Battle of the Zords comes up right after, and Zenaku summons his dark wild zords to battle the Rangers' wild zords. And I like this episode quite battle a bit. Battle of Zords was fun. That was yeah, that, that, was, that a, was like an enjoyable. It was surprisingly a little violent. Yes, and the the dark wild zords were actually really cool to watch on screen. I think mostly. Yeah. The issue with Battle of the Zords is just the CGI was really kind of lacking on some the of the stuff. The CGI lets this season down so much mm-hmm. for sure because one of the saving graces of the Power Rangers sometimes is at least sometimes the action is fun even when the episodes are a little dull. But the action wasn't fun a lot because of this terrible CGI that thankfully they did away with almost immediately. Yeah. <laughs> Predazord Awaken shows Zen Aku beating Cole in a one-on-one. And then he combines his dark wild zords into the Predazord and steals the giraffe sword from them. So it's, again, another pretty cool episode. And then it kind of sort of finishes off with uh, Revenge of Zen Aku and Identity Crisis, where Zen Aku frees a motorcycle org Kidnaps Princess Shayla, who's constantly a damsel in distress this season. 
She literally only defends herself once in the whole also, season. Also, she literally only appears when the world is in danger and needs help, and yet she gets captured all the time. Fucking riddle me that, Batman. <laughs> She's more of a problem than a solution. Like... You would almost be hoping, oh god, please don't let this crisis be severe enough that Princess Shayla shows up. Yeah. She'll make it so much worse. Yeah. Shayla's <laughs> necklace, which also becomes a, another plot device later on as the season goes on, brings back memories for Zenaku. And the Rangers were able to get back the princess, and Zenaku is trying to like combat the memories that he's remembering. To stay evil, because you know, yeah, I recall other children properties that do that, but whatever. Identity crisis. Zenaku really starts to remember his past, and then an org named Nazor pl plants a bug in his head to prevent him from remembering his past and convince him that he is completely evil and beyond redemption, which makes him even more dangerous for the Rangers. Yeah, in which it culminates in sort of the ancient warrior and the lone wolf which ancient warrior also before you get any further ahead um uh, identity crisis is where animus is introduced so identity crisis features animus which is uh this god zord that appears in the sun in the sky i would be excited about this except i know what happens with animus and of course if you listen to the show and you listen to our best and worst you already know a little bit about why animus is actually not cool at all yeah and <laughs> zenaku is a really cool character in general zenaku is right? pretty good hello rangers this is grav chiming in to say that in the next couple of episodes animus comes in to help restore zenaku's memories revealing him to be merrick a warrior from three thousand years ago who donned a cursed wolf mask to beat the Master Org. Merrick straight up looks like Aaron Hansen as a Power Ranger. <laughs> I like him. I think in this instance, like, he has a really cool backstory. I could tell that the Japanese footage is probably a lot better. The Japanese story is probably a lot better with the Sixth Ranger just because of how cool Zenaku is. Yeah. Really, what does a disservice to Merrick in these next couple of episodes is the writing. And his acting a little bit. Yeah, but like... I He's hit or miss. I don't want to just like make it sound like he can't act at all because sometimes he actually nails it. I feel like the director of the show told Merrick, the actor, you need to be dark and brooding all the time. Yeah. And that needs to be your delivery. And so he, be, he ends up becoming this sort of one-dimensional character. Like I said, the persona non grata in the best and worst. It's still entertaining just from the standpoint that he's the cool guy with like the white contacts and the blonde streak and all that stuff, you know? So that makes him like more interesting than Cole, more interesting than Taylor and, and Max. But still, there could have been a lot more for him. And yeah. I feel like had this been a better, a better written season, he would have gotten some justice. The lone wolf power play both add on to Merrick's character, gives him his sort of, uh, he reveals himself to be the lunar wolf ranger when he has his wild swords returned to him uh, because his wild swords are like, you're worthy of the power. And so they give him the, loner, the lunar wolf ranger 
power and it's a really cool suit i like it a lot it's really cool yeah power play was another runner-up for uh in my opinion was one of the better episodes of the show i think actually by the end of it it was kind of like not as good as some of the other episodes that we watched yeah it kind of falls off after a while yeah, but for the most part, it's a pretty good episode, and it shows Merrick's uh, Lunar Wolf Ranger do this sort of billiards-style attack, <laughs> and fuck it. It's kind of fun. It. Whatever. It's cool. It's kind of fun. Yeah. Secrets and Lies, fucking nonsense plot, but the main reason why it's canon, it's because Alyssa discovers that Cole's parents <laughs> have been presumed dead. Yeah. Um, cool. We kind of already knew this, but... It, it explores the more emotional side of it, right? The yeah. emotional impact of that. And it also, like, it actually ends up being kind of a, a somewhat good episode for Alyssa, as I remember. Yeah. It doesn't necessarily add a lot to Cole. Yeah. <laughs> Tornado Spin was the one that I was thinking that might not be canon. And it's because it has to do with Max's character... Max, uh, turns out Max is kind of like a pro bowler of sorts. Like, he's really good to go pro, but he's a ranger, so he can't really, like, take this up. And he learns a new move by the end of it called the tornado spin. This tornado spin move is only done once, and it's here. So technically, we could cut it. Also, the fact that Max is a good bowler never shows up again in the show. Ever. The only reason to consider its inclusion is for the sake of Max's character. Yeah. But I still think, like, the Danny episodes help with Max. So it's kind of just like, you could cut it and be fine. The only reason why I'm not cutting it outright, uh, because it might happen in the fucking next season where Ninja Storm and Wild Force collaborate and Max mentions the fact that he's a bowler, and then suddenly we have to go back and be like, oh, shit, that's like not a filler episode, you know? So I'm hedging my bets that something like that might happen. And if not, I'll cut it out because I still feel like Max gets enough screen time. And if Max also, didn't do enough I, with that I screen time, that that's on him. Episode really tells you a lot about Max that you didn't know other than that he's a bowler. Right? Like it doesn't necessarily develop his personality traits much. Yeah, no. Just basically like, hey, Max has a Max is a really good bowler and he likes that. Yeah, and he wouldn't mind, you know, maybe not being a Power Ranger someday. <laughs> you know, yeah. but that's also already obvious. Yeah, right? Like who wants to to fight orgs forever, right? Uh I mean, well, some of them are more gung ho, but Max in particular makes it clear like it would be great to fucking win this war and go home, basically, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Funny how the person of color is the one that's just like, I don't want to be at war forever. Thing. <laughs> mm. Three's a Crowd was another sort of episode that was a, uh, and a Father's Footsteps too, was both episodes that were cut from the filler guide, but they are important because they add characterization to Danny and Alyssa respectively. Three's a Crowd is another episode where Danny sort of explores his relationship with Kendall. And like at the end of Never Give Up, at some point, Danny reveals to Kendall, his love interest, that, hey, 
like he can't really express it into words, but he he like left a note that said it there in the flowers, seemingly by accident. But come on, man. And Kendall sort of finds out that Danny loves her. In this episode, Danny, uh, there's a there's a wedding dress org that is uh, fucking up weddings and petrifying brides into right. mannequins. And Kendall is the florist for these weddings and also kind of a bit of a wedding planner as well. And Danny has this like total schoolboy crush for Kendall. It's actually very cute. He sort of like is like, hey, I actually do want to date Kendall in this episode. Like he's like tries to like go there and he sort of tries to speed up this process by like, you know, <laughs> kind of like trying to ask her out and stuff. But somewhat, some white dude is trying to also compete for Kendall's affection. And man, like this episode <laughs> plays that so straight. It's almost a bit jarring at times. But yo, guys be like that. Yeah. It's very, like the white guy that was in there who was competing for Kendall's affection was being super manipulative about every single situation he was in including one where kendall's life was in danger and danny morphed in front of them to save them and the white guy that was competing for kendall's affection was like manipulating that situation to danny by saying hey yo like you're gonna put kendall in danger if you try and go out with her so <laughs> don't go out with her he gets like a bracelet from Danny because Danny's like, you know what? You're right. Here's a bracelet that I made for Kendall. And if you can please give this to her, that'd mean a lot. And he goes, yeah, man, sure thing. And before he gives that bracelet to Kendall, the guy goes, well, you know, I'm the right one for you, Kendall, because like I make a lot of money. I'm not in a life-threatening job. You know, I could provide for you. Danny can't provide for you. He's too busy being a Power Ranger. And he's like, here's this necklace that I bought for you with all of my money. Isn't it? Doesn't it look pretty? It would look so pretty if it was on you. And at first she's like, oh my God, this is so sweet of you. And then uh, right after the dude is like, by the way, here's this uh, rinky dink bracelet or whatever that Danny made for you. Just, you know, whatever. Here you go. And of course, Kendall's just like, man, like, I really appreciate this gift that that Danny gave to me. And so Kendall rejects the guy and stays single. And I guess is kind of like waiting for Danny, in a sense, uh, by the end of this episode. And Danny is in this realization that while he's doing while he's fighting these orgs, he can't be with uh, Kendall. And so he has to accept that. It's a really sweet episode. Some of the stuff is like really hammed up. Like uh, Danny's crush for Kendall goes like really hard in the paint where they do like the goo goo eyes and the fucking like he's in a ranger costume and he's like, oh, my God, Kendall, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah, it's ridiculous, <laughs> but it's a good episode. I like the fact that like Kendall just doesn't accept the white boy's manipulation on this. It kind of plays it sort of like an adult situation because, yo, like, there are guys out there that I've witnessed be like that. Yeah. 
you know, that'll manipulate any situation just to get in, just to get a girlfriend. So, yeah, it, it's fucked up. Uh, and I'm glad that, you know, it ended up being sort of a good moral lesson at the end of it all. Yeah, it was it was definitely interesting. Definitely they hammed it up a little too and that was kind of fun at times. It definitely felt a bit like a throwback to the early days of Power Rangers where like a lot of the episodes were a little bit after school specially. It just ultimately though, that's like that plot never really goes anywhere else. Yeah. Soon after we get A Father's Footsteps, which is Alyssa's episode, and I love this episode. I think if I could cut like, if I could just take this episode and be like, you know, this is Power Rangers Wild Force or whatever, that'd be great, right? Because A Father's Footsteps explores the relationship between Alyssa's father and Alyssa. And Alyssa's father is a, runs a dojo. He's a martial artist. He has his own tiger technique that Alyssa has trained for years and years and years on how to do. But mm. Alyssa wants to be an environmental scientist. And Alyssa's father knows this technique that basically can stop blades with your hands without hurting yourself, I suppose. And it's pretty cool. And like they go back and forth of like remembering their Alyssa's childhood and Alyssa growing up. And at first, like her father is not accepting of the fact that Alyssa wants to be a scientist rather than a, a martial artist. But Alyssa's whole thing is that, uh, you know, she, she's really great at time management, right? Because she's able to be a scientist, study at school, and be a ranger while also still practicing her martial arts with the guys um, outside of, like, being in the ranger form. And it just adds to Alyssa's character a lot. On top of which, before Alyssa even met, like, you know, reunited with her father after after some time because they kind of, you know, split apart after that whole fight. Alyssa's father was coming around to the fact that Alyssa's doing important work. And there's sort of a greater cause for her than than being a martial artist. And the acceptance of the fact that the dojo isn't going to be ran by his bloodline anymore, you know? Yeah. And that's okay. Yeah. And at the end of it all, you know, Alyssa's father finds out that Alyssa is a Power Ranger. And he's like, I'm so proud of you. You're doing such a great job. And I can't wait to see what you have for the future. And she's like, thanks, Dad. Yeah. You know, and it's, it's a really sweet episode. I like it. I, li I love this one a lot. Um, really uh, makes you wonder why, first of all, Alyssa wasn't team leader before Cole showed up. We don't have to get into why is Cole team leader. We've already talked about that. It doesn't make sense is the short answer. And also like kind of just makes you wonder why they didn't like I don't know, lean into her character more in general. It's just like she's like she's like a real power ranger. You know, like she does fucking martial arts and shit all the time. I don't know. It, it's definitely a good episode. Yeah. Yeah. It's just frustrating, like everything. <laughs> I think the, the, the main reason why I didn't pick this for the best uh, is because 
They have this weird blurry filter over memories that encapsulates like 60% of the screen. Yeah, it sucks. And I was just like, why? And unfortunately, it makes it very visually unappealing during like half the episode. But still, strong. Really strong. Unfortunately, it's followed up by Sing Song, which we've already reviewed in the best and worst. Literally, the saving grace is how cute the Deer Sword is for that one. And just how it's it's kind of funny, at least, in some ways. But it's not, like, deeply funny like weird episodes of the Power Rangers have been in the past. It's just, like, bizarre. Right. Wings of Animaria uh, features Cole's new weapon, which is the Falcon Summoner. And the Falcon Summoner, I think, is a pretty good arsenal for Cole. Like, it does, like, the Wings of Isis, uh, which has that, like, um, the eyes on the wings and shit, and he can fly and all this other stuff. It's really cool. Uh, I like that. That That's, a, that's and, it, and it also transforms into a new, it, it transforms into a new Megazord called the Isis Megazord, which features the Isis wings on it, the Isis eyes. That one features the Rhino and Armadillo, and we didn't really get into uh, the Rhino and Armadillo. But the armadillo and rhino is Danny's new wild swords. And the armadillo acts as a soccer ball. And the wild sword does this, uh, the wild megazord does this sort of like soccer field CGI impression and like oh, launches the fucking ugly. the armadillo. It's so campy that I like it. Like, that's, like, the saving grace of that. It's I'm funny, like, but it, it would have it. been... It's the kind of thing that would have been ultra fun in a previous season, but isn't here simply because of the CGI for me. Like, I mean, it's a little fun, but, like, it would have been, like... it would. This would have been hilarious if the effects didn't just let it down so much. I liked it. <laughs> Reinforcements from the future features. This is the Time Force crossover. This was another uh, two-parter that was almost picked for the best and worst. It needs the context of having watched Time Force to be really good. And it was and, a two-parter, uh, and it's it, it's also that it's not really good alone as much. Like the two parts kind of work together. Yes. I'm not going to really go too hard on this, um, but basically the Time Force Rangers show up from the future because there is this mutant and org hybrid called the Mute Orgs, and the Wild Force Rangers get completely like stomped from them. First, it's just Eric and uh, Wes that show up, and Eric is introduced to the Wild Force Rangers by giving a, a speeding ticket to Taylor <laughs> and Wes makes a comment that says uh, like he complains he complains about Taylor speeding or whatever and Wes is just like she's totally your type and I find that so fucking funny because Eric was such an ANCAP in the last season and Taylor's like overtly fascist in this season and I'm like you're right Wes that had to be the most on-a-point comment out of the whole Seriously. entire thing. Seriously. Yeah. Those and in two this are, one, like, made for each other. Yup, 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 yup. There's a couple of a little bad things. Jen 
she just travels through time and like tries to figure out if there's any other mutants that have went through the timeline and like fucked it up to like try and like murk them or I'm sorry, put them away for forever. <laughs> What's up with the hair? Like <laughs> they're like she needs to come from like a post-apocalyptic future, but not really. She's just like a bounty hunter, a time bounty hunter. I I appreciated it to some extent. I don't know. <laughs> it was kind of funny. It was kind of funny. And it turns out that uh, when Rancic was born, right? So Rancic was kind of like, you know, obviously born from like rejected mutated DNA. Rancic was banished from the Time Force Utopia in that future. And it's kind of seen as like a hell world outside. And I'm not sure if you've ever played Custom Robo for the GameCube, but Custom Robo, it's a pretty neat game. I like it. Uh, it's an action fighting game. It's like an arena fighter, kind of like Power Stone. But you can like okay. make custom gunpla, essentially, and okay. face off against each other. Really fun. There's some certain broken items in it, and you know that's just the way it is. <laughs> Custom Robo has this sort of universe where it takes place in this domed city. And everybody is like, hey, outside of this city is like really like fucked up wasteland. And mm -hmm. in the by towards the end of that game, you get to actually explore that wasteland a bit and find like illegal robo parts, illegal gunpla that you could attach to your custom robo for fighting. And uh it's kind of like in that same vein where the Time Force future exists in a utopia, but it's like a domed city. And I'm guessing through like they weren't able to stop climate change, I guess. So the socialists had to rise up and create this like utopia of sorts where they could sustain the humanity or sustain humanity throughout time. Yeah. And Rancic ventured out into this wasteland and gave basically gave his fucked up DNA to these orgs that were sitting outside uh and were like petrified and encased in stone and uh they then traveled throughout time to to find their way into wild force and they're like this hybrid mute org and so the time force have to bring back rancic who i guess becomes the sacrifice and uh sacrifices himself in an explosion to destroy the mute orgs it's yeah. pretty cool. I like it a lot. Uh, it's a really, it's really good way to finally conclude Rancic. Yes. And turns out that the bomb didn't just kill the mute orgs, but healed Rancic's mutant DNA along with Nadira's mutant DNA, I suppose, as well. And this is pretty cool. Like, all the loose threads are kind of just finished here, right? Because yeah. Nadir, like Max tries to hook up with Nadira and Rancic starts to look at Max and I'm like, oh no, kind of like racialized a bit. But uh, it turns out Lucas is, is, is with Nadira. Oh. <laughs> so I'm like, oh hell yeah, Lucas, get it, dude. <laughs> I kind of forgot that. God damn. Yeah, that's so funny. Yeah. 
<laughs> so Lucas and Nadira end up dating and you know this is like a pretty sweet end to like a lot of those plot threads and stuff Jen is still kind of like hey Wes I can't be with you anymore and Wes is like you know I still love you but I get it and so like you know they're kind of okay with that right and it, it finishes off pretty nicely I like these two episodes a lot it was just sick seeing Quantum Ranger again and 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 uh, Wes again and, and all this other stuff. So it was a really nice like fight sequences, especially in part one. And in part two, it was really good because of the finishing up the loose threads there, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it, it was really nice. It was just one of those things where it's kind of like the Lost Galaxy crossover where your heart kind of breaks as like these rangers that you actually cared about walk on the screen. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And you just miss that shit. And every minute that they're doing like time force sort of like plot wrap up stuff, you're loving it. But you're also like, oh, God, when this ends, we go back to hell. <laughs> Great. Just for the record to see Jen again with especially having gone back to a very typical shitty white male Red Ranger. Um, being in charge of things for no reason even uh, it was nice to see Jen again and just be reminded of what real leadership looks like <laughs> <laughs> yeah for sure the master's last stand features master org basically revealing his origin story to Cole uh, which is that he's kind of like Clayton from from Tarzan yeah and hey you know I called it from the beginning yeah. It's Tarzan. Yeah. Just bad. So basically, he was a well respected scientist who helped discover something with Dr. Parents. Yeah. And he ended up eating, like, I guess, some of the org DNA to get powers, essentially, and kill Cole's parents. Because he was being an incel about everything. He was in love with Cole's mom. And then like Cole's dad obviously got with the mom instead. And then Cole's dad was much more charismatic than, than Dr. Adler. So he ended up getting more, basically more screen time and more glory. Despite the fact that Cole's dad outwardly said, hey... Dr. Adler played a huge part in all of this. So stop giving me the mic, you know? And then Dr. Adler was like getting jealous of that and so killed his parents. Yeah. Very fucked up. Toxica and Jindrax also turn on Master Org for revealing that he was just a average human all along cosplaying as an org. And that the horn wasn't even real. Yeah, fake horn fake horns these uh these orgs don't like that shit and they end toxica and jindrax end up finding a uh, replacement for master org which was general org mandalock yeah unfortunately general org mandalock turns out to be not such a nice guy yeah <laughs> unfinished business sees zenaku trying to rejoin merrick merrick has to accept that as long as Zenaku will always be a part of him, kind of like Riku will always have Ansem in some way, shape, or form, always be a part of him as part of his past. And Merrick has to learn to accept help from his friends to help defeat Zenaku in battle. Yeah. 
Uh, it's it's kind of interesting. It's like there's definitely like a sort of complex thing going on there. Um, Merrick clearly has serious mental health issues from being sent through time. In effect, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Homecoming sees the introduction of Kite, which is that little boy that ends up becoming Animus in the flute. It's bad, dude. Uh, really bad. I was like, really? Out of, you could have taken the lesson that you learned from Turbo, but instead you introduced this young boy named Kite? Fuck off. The flute sees Kite turn into Animus, and then Animus just kind of fucks off for a while and doesn't really come back for a long time. Just shows um, up occasionally. Yeah, like there's... there's throughout like, the rest there's of like, the season, but barely ever. Yeah, there's like two more times that he pops up before the finale, and it's kind of a big deal, but man, it's not done very well. Team Carnival comes up after the flute. Jindrax teams up with his brother to prove his worth by destroying the Rangers, and after his brother is killed, Jindrax escapes. Taming of the Zords is the most furry fucking episode of <laughs> all time. And so... you know, like... This is we a were very like, you know furry what? Like, season in general. There's a lot of like clawing, animal sounds, cat ears, etc. So this is saying something. Yeah, no. Taming of the Zords is like, dog, you didn't have to like show your furry fetish out in public. <laughs> yeah, no. This was like, definitely there must have been a, a furry on the, the Rangers writing team. Yeah. The Rangers battle for control of the Wild Zords against a Lion Tamer Zorg and the Lion Tamer, or sorry, Lion Tamer Org. And the Lion Tamer Org uses a whip to control not only the Wild Zords, but also control <sighs> the Rangers when they're morphed into their Wild Power Ranger outfits. To yes. the point where he like whips at Alyssa and Alyssa comes like, to the org. <laughs> yeah. And um, those like cat sounds and like crawls along the floor. To... There's a little bit of yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit of ooh woo. I almost put this for best. Kennedy didn't let me. <laughs> <laughs> this shit is too fucking weird and fucked up. <laughs> this episode shouldn't be canon. <laughs> cut this. Nah, we need to do it. Uh, it's mostly because the the spell is broken free by Kite, who's displaying some mysterious powers. That's what makes it canon. Oh, also, uh, the wild the lion tamer org makes a reference to Rita. Where he's like, That's I'm gonna cool. make my my Zords grow. <laughs> and like, hell yeah, dude, let's go. It's a good reference. Then it turns out that mon in Monitoring Earth, which is the next episode, this is the season, dog. This is the season where they directly reference that humans are fucking up the planet. And the main message that you learn from this is that, like, humans are trying. It's not, it's not necessarily all of their fault that, that the climate's getting fucked up. They shouldn't get 100% of the blame. It's just, it happens, dude. Pollution happens. Dude, that's so woke. I fuck, <laughs> this is the worst, like, like, 
This episode has worse politics than Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Way, way worse. Are you kidding me? My MMPR was like Captain Planet vibes. Yeah. Whereas they literally one... had that episode early on where fucking Kim, uh, Kimberly and Trini are like trying to get people to like come help them clean up a toxic spill or whatever. Yeah, but in this one, in Monitoring Earth, Kite's like outright calling out the Rangers as being no good for not combating climate change. And it's like, yeah, dog, why aren't the Power Rangers doing anything about about climate change, right? Yeah. It's like the Phoenix Five in the comic books did shit when they had powers. Why aren't you? And uh, basically, the Rangers are kind of just like, by the end of all of this, the Rangers are just like, yo, there's a there's not much we can do here. We're just trying our best, and that's all we can do. And at the end of Monitoring Earth, Kite like determines that the humans don't need the Wild Zords' help and takes them away from them. And in the Soul of Humanity, they basically have to convince the an Animus to believe that humanity does want to protect the Earth. It's just, oops, we're doing climate change. We're polluting. Sorry. Ah, we're trying our best. Ah, you know, <laughs> it's such a fucking cop out, too, because like Kite was really giving it to him. <laughs> yeah. Thankfully, followed up by this is Forever Red. We talked about it in the best and worst. This is like one of the most pog episodes of all time, in spite of Wild Force, because really doesn't really have anything to do with wild force they're just like hey cole we need you just yeah. because we need to do a show of strength against the machine empire followed up after this we got the last couple of episodes and this is where in my opinion the season kind of takes a turn for the better i i generally agree but it's also like it's this real 11th hour shit where they've been hinting at these plots basically the whole time and then suddenly they all resolve at once and they're kind of some of them are kind of interesting as they finish up, but it's still kind of bad. And then there's a lot of just repetitious, dumb, annoying stuff along the way that prevents it from being as enjoyable as it should be. Yeah, I, I, I think these next couple episodes, like if I were to rate them or something like that, it would be way better than the entire like first nine episodes, except for like, or no, it would be better than a lot of the episodes that we've seen so far. Let me put it this way. If all of the episodes in wild force were to the quality level of these final episodes, I wouldn't necessarily be considering wild for force for worst season of all time. Yeah, this is true. So to begin, we have the master's Herald, which is, Master Org sends this ninja duke org called the Onikage to basically manipulate the whole situation between the current the current leader Mandalore and Toxica and Jindrax in a way to bring about the Master Org's return. And Master Org to be clear, Master Org in this case isn't the master org that Merrick killed. It's still Dr. Adler, but Dr. Adler somehow, because of his like ingestion of the legumes, was still able to keep, like still able to persist in life. Because as you know, orgs are created 
through climate change, through pollution. So right. the more pollution there is in the world, the more like orgs develop. And this was kind of seen in episode three, Click Click Zoom, which goes over the origins of like the Animarium, which was the Animarium Kingdom, right? And how Master Org back then had the exact same origin story of Rancic, right? Like there was this right. puddle of like oil or something. I don't fucking know. And he arose from the puddle, right? And that's that was Master Org, and he terrorized the An the Animarium Kingdom. Yeah. But in this case, it's still Dr. Adler. Yes. And, so, and he's he's seeking to reactivate and consume the org heart so that he can truly and finally become Master Org. Right. And so Master Org sends out this ninja duke or Onikage to help take care of this. And Onikage's pog. Yeah. Like this is probably the best villain. Out of the entire season, outside of Jindrax, maybe. Honestly, if this part one didn't require so much context, this might have been in the running for best episodes for me. Yes, because uh, basically Onokage's plot is to kidnap Shayla. You know, kidnap Shayla again. It just sounds like we're fucking repeating ourselves. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> and basically weaken Mandalok's team, right? Onikage hatches a plan to kidnap Shayla. It involves Jindrax Toxica and Onikage infiltrating the Animarium, which, why haven't they done that before? In these like, ninja suits, though, in this case, to where they're cloaked and they can't really be seen. And Toxica, unfortunately, gets caught trying to kidnap Shayla, and it fails. There's this fight scene between Toxica and Princess Shayla, and this is the only time that Shayla defends herself and yeah. successfully defends herself. She does the the Matrix Keanu Reeves scene where like you 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 do the whole hand out motion with hand behind the back thing and it's like come at me and you're like, oh, shit, Princess Shayla knows Kung Fu. Oh, fuck, this is totally a Matrix reference. That's cool, Pog. But also, like, dog, why couldn't you do this 20 episodes ago? Yeah. Yeah, because the plot fails, Onikage, like, Toxica is, like, getting berated by Mandalore. And Mandalore is like, why the fuck do I even have you? You're no longer a part of the team. And so Toxica is trying to, like, prove herself to Mandalore and Odakage says listen you know you can blend in better and you'll become powerful if you break your horn and try and do this right and and drink the water of uh at the animarium this will make you more powerful and she's like oh shit really I want to be on Mandalore's good side and this whole thing kind of culminates because like Shayla calls out Toxica for why are you following Mandalore? And I'm like, that's your fucking fault. You can't explain the writing. <laughs> like, we're 35 episodes in. I don't know why you guys follow Mandalore. Because he has a bigger horn? That's just the hierarchy. If you have a bigger horn, you are the leader. Amazing. And uh, she drinks the water from the Animarium that Shayla is also able to magically hide in. She ends up getting destroyed 
The only thing that's left is her horn. Jindrax actually, takes the horn. I just want to emphasize how fucked up this is. Actually, like this is a really intense. Toxica dying is like the most emotional death this season. Like she's like writhing on the ground, like, and like Onikage is like, oh, interesting. She hasn't died yet, and it's just like watching her. Yeah, Onikage is one bad dude. He's really pog. Like he's really powerful. He can take on the Rangers for the most part, and he's just trying to destroy the Rangers from within as well. Through a series of like invasions with other orgs and stuff, Onikage is able to create the Shadow Rangers to fight the Rangers and put them in like a fucking shadow realm, like Yu-Gi-Oh ass shadow realm and everything. Yeah. It's really cool. As much as much pog as I'm saying this is, there's still some elements of it that are whack. Like the fact that the Rangers get kidnapped and kind of sort of go to heaven with Kite for a little bit and and this like pegasus megazord is able to destroy the onikage through the shadow dimension part two just doesn't make sense yeah but like also it features onikage fucking up shit so it's kind of hard to say it's bad but it's just like this blur of like all these orgs coming back all these zords fighting people getting kidnapped, people going to different realms all the time, people impersonating other people. It's almost impossible to keep track of as as a whole. Yeah, I don't know. I like it. I, I will say, overall, the Master's Herald for a two-parter was pretty good. Master Org still ends up with the dub, though. Walks off with yeah. the princess. It just, um, it just ends up being one of those things where part one is like an eight and part two is like a six or a five. Well, Master Org reappears in part two and destroys Mandalock. Yeah, this is correct. Onakage <laughs> was was helping Master Org this whole time and was able to like convince convince Mandalock to like give him his staff and like all this other stuff. And then Onakage gives Master Org the staff and then destroys Mandalock with it. And Master Org is looking a lot better than what he did in the beginning because in the beginning it just seemed like he was in cosplay and this one he actually seems like a fucking like a master orc right still derpy looking whatever but way better leagues better than the beginning fishing for a friend is jindrax being sad toxica yeah Yeah, trying to bring toxica back because he's really sad it's actually jindrax and toxica are my favorite rangers this season (laughs) (laughs) um and this episode really sells both of their characters and their friendship really well um over time their relationship gets better yeah their characters well and also the other thing i want to say is their characters are not consistently written so the best parts of toxica and jindrax aren't necessarily they don't even necessarily entirely make sense in the full context <laughs> because Jindrax is damn yeah. near suicidal over over toxica's death because yes. the reason why toxica died was because of like not only like mandalock treating them like shit but also you know onikage another fellow org betraying them too and he's like what's the point of being an org what's the point in living as an yeah, order, period. well, and this is important because he's if there's no fully, camaraderie, he's fully questioning like, yeah, that, that exactly the camaraderie, like the whole point of this whole thing is like, yes, maybe we do these bad things, but 
we rest assured that like when we rule the world, we're all going to take care of each other. You know, the orgs are going to be free and equal. Um, except is it really going to be that way? Jindrax is starting to have doubts. <laughs> right. And um, in Fishing for a Friend, Jindrax still holds on to Toxica's horn that she broke off. And Toxica is able to talk from hell? They call it the spirit world with this place that the orgs go in particular. And the orgs Makes have the an ability to come back from it. And it doesn't exactly seem like it relates directly to our exact typical ideas of death and life. Yes, yes, you're right. I was going to say the spirit realm is definitely less of a uh, finality to it and more of a uh, that's just where you go when you lose physical form. Yeah, a number of orgs come back. Now, it, it's not implied that like just anyone can come back at any time for any reason. That there's no effort involved, but... A number of orgs come back from the spirit world. Yes. And Toxica speaks through the mirror that Jindrax kept from one of her belongings. And Toxica speaks to him and says, hey, if you charge up the horn, I can come back. And he's like, I'm going to do this no matter what. So he sort of sets up the org that uh, Master Org sent out called the Locomotive Org, which was a really tough org in this case. And it was a pretty good scene, honestly where he manipulated both sides to be able to recharge the horn and uh, revive Toxica, while still the rangers still had to beat the locomotive org as well. And Master Org prepares the Nexus, which is this like layer of sorts, for a ceremony and snatches uh, Princess Shayla's necklace for the ceremony. And, and Princess Shayla tries off and on to sort of convince Master Org to like consider other options um, and like to appeal to his humanity. And to an extent, she's successful at like breaking through his absolute veneer of evil and like getting him to sort of reveal his humanity a little bit. But at the same time, also like she isn't ultimately successful in getting him to change his mind. Even when she like calls him by his real name and some other things to sort of like try to snap him out of it, it's not enough. And he ends up by the end of the next episode, sealing the nexus. Uh, he ends up just being like, "I've gone too far." Basically, there's no turning back. Yeah, I'm beyond redemption. Yeah, and Master Org ends up through this ceremony. He uh, starts floating in the air. Um, Toxica and Jindrax. Well, so first, okay, let's back up a little bit. Okay. All right. So first of all, so sealing the Nexus is a pretty important episode just in general. Mm -hmm. And in fact, I'm a little frustrated that they didn't just make this a three part finale, because if you didn't watch sealing the Nexus, you are not prepared to see the finale. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, um, so sealing the Nexus, Master Org is preparing the final ceremony and he's going to revive the Org heart and then consume it. As I yes. said, Princess Shayla tries to convince him not to do this, but he assures her that it's far too late for something like that. And sealing the Nexus is pretty good because sealing it's the Nexus involves Cole actually being a fucking leader, right? Because now they've revived some of the most powerful orgs that the the Rangers have ever faced. Yeah. And and Master Org is basically like trying to keep all the Rangers at bay by doing this revival. 
And uh, the only people that can really go into the nexus are orgs. Right. The Rangers are are basically busy battling it out, sometimes like 2v1 or 2v2 fights of some of the most powerful orgs, one of which was Mandalock, who mm-hmm. they never really beat in battle. Onikage beat Mandalock. Yeah, and, and, and Mandalock tells them, like, you couldn't really beat me before. I'm going to kick your ass now. <laughs> like, Yeah, and Mandalock even does like a dark a dark savage sword back at them. Yeah. Cause he, they're like savage sword. And he's like, that's not enough, baby. Check out my savage sword and like fucks them up. So it's, it it has some pretty pog fights in it. Toxica and Jindrax sneak into the Nexus to rescue princess Shayla. Meanwhile, master or consumes the Duke heart and starts levitating. Yeah. So the Nexus starts to like come apart. And like everything is crumbling and Master Org is just levitating in the air like he doesn't give a shit. The the CGI um, effects for that of like him levitating and being in the air and shit is hilarious. It's almost like one of those like TikTok comedy skits. You know, where they're like like those those like vine magicians. Yeah, (laughs) that type of shit. It's almost like that. And then uh, Princess Shayla is kind of like, wait, wait, wait what the fuck is Master Org doing because he's just levitating? And they're just like, come on, we got to go. The place is collapsing. Well, okay, again, I got to take another step back, though, because let's really... So Toxica and Jindrax. So Jindrax brings Toxica back to life. And they sort of... You mean Jindrax gets to- brings back Toxica to life? Yes, Jindrax brings Toxica back to life. And they sort of suspiciously... Seem to be helping the Rangers. I just want to lean into this because as good as this uh, finale is in some ways, there's a lot of like letdowns to it still. And like Toxica and Jindrax, there's this scene in particular where they're outside the portal to the Nexus. And Jindrax is like, are we really going to save the princess and help the Rangers? And Toxica is like, you'll see. And it's like, come on. This is. What are you doing? I blocked that out of my memory. Like so goofy (laughs) so fucking goofy and unnecessary and just like ridiculous yeah just own it right yeah and like like exactly like just own it at this point like don't like pretend also like it just didn't even none of it would have even made sense i don't know it was just silly so yeah so all that leads up to the scene you're describing where toxica and jindrax and the princess are on their way out and they see master org and princess shayla is kind of like what the fuck (laughs) And Toxica and Jindrax are also like, um, Master Org, you're probably going to die. And Master Org just doesn't respond. And they're like, okay, bye. <laughs> and they leave. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, and then as they're starting to take off, they notice Master Org is fucking dissolving into sand. Yeah. And so the Nexus is sealed. And the Rangers defeated the, the resurrected Orgs. And they all meet up. And Shayla, Shayla thanks Toxica and Jindrax, and they ask them, "Hey, what are you guys gonna do now? You know, are you guys gonna keep trying to kill humans, or what? What's going on?" And it's like, "We're just gonna, we're just gonna travel." Yeah, we're just gonna live our own lives. Um, yeah, we'll see where life takes us. Gets a kiss on the cheek from the princess, which makes Toxica jealous. Which is like, it could be a little too much, but it's actually kind of a cute seen the way that they do it 
Yeah. Um, uh, also, and it, Merrick kind of gets a little jealous too. Yeah, it's kind of funny because it's like both of them have these reactions. Toxica's reaction in particular is really comical and fun. And uh, yeah, it's 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 a decent way to sort of just okay, here we are. We're closing things out more or less in some respects. And it's a it's a great send off to Toxica and Jindrax, who by this point you've come to like a little bit. Again, though, this really contradicts what we learned about orgs at the beginning of the season. Yeah. So that's interesting. We lead up to now the end of the Power Rangers, which is literally what the episodes are called. And I'm like, man, if Power Rangers got canceled after this season, I would have been upset. <laughs> Master Org returns. This is like, so the beginning to this is like the Rangers partying it up and like, we beat the orgs, we beat the orgs. And then they're like, we, we don't have to be Power Rangers anymore. And they're like, oh, fuck, we don't have to be Power Rangers anymore. Back to capitalist society. Shit. First of all, though, I mean, when you put it that way, it makes it sound okay. But this opening sucks a little. <laughs> Their emotional <laughs> fucking tone and shit is all over the place. It's just like a weird fucking start where they're like, oh, man, we can't be Power Rangers anymore. We can never hang out again. And it's like, y'all could just all move to the same town and like fucking be best friends if that's like your main concern here. I don't know what. <gasps> also, like, why are you sad about this ending? You should be glad that the terror is over. And they instead, they're like, orgs anymore. They're like, oh. The war is finally over. We have to go home after 22 years in Afghanistan. They Bummer. Can't, they can't keep their AR-15s. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> very frustrating. It definitely, it just has that vibe of the people who don't want a war to end. It really does. But this... I know Danny's happy. Like, Danny Danny doesn't want to... Danny wanna... and Max are the only ones who seem legitimately relieved. Alyssa also kind of feels a little relieved, but it's mostly, like, Taylor and Cole who are really upset about it. Like, yeah. at first, it dawns on them that, like, hey, we're not going to be able like... to, like, have superpowers anymore, but, like, the rest of them, like, Taylor and Cole are the ones that take it the hardest. The rest of them are kind of just like, yeah, it fucking sucks, but... Cole's you know, like, we'll I on. love killing people. That's a that's a complex joke. <laughs> we'll talk. I, I think I'll save that for Ranger ranking time. Maybe I haven't even thought about where to place Cole. I've been so like. Oh, I was thinking about. I, I'm talking about like his IRL. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> that, that's a deep cut. Yeah, you're right. For those that don't know, the actor, they're the real life actor. For Cole, Ricardo Medina Jr. Uh, went to jail for manslaughter. He killed his roommate with a sword. It was a murder. I'm just going to say that. <laughs> That's not manslaughter. <laughs> you don't accidentally kill somebody with a Apparently, sword. Apparently, though, it was like, a, like he was in fear of his life, and that's why he did it. It's all allegations, though. So yeah, let's just keep it like that. We'll just keep it. We're not going to get gossipy about it. We're just going to state the facts, which is that he went to jail for killing a guy with a sword. 
which is just really bizarre. I don't know how to feel about that at all. Especially, like, I couldn't stop thinking about that fact in the finale, like, in part two, when he's saving that little kid. And it's sort of like, yeah, Cole, the hero. I'm just in the back of my mind thinking, this dude literally, like, murdered a guy. I don't think Wild Force is ever gonna, like... I don't think there will ever be reruns of Wild Force. <laughs> I'll also say this. I'm glad every episode was canon because we've talked about going back and watching the filler from seasons and there's no way I'm ever watching Wild Force again. You would um, have to pay me so much money. I would not watch it again, but I'm willing to take viewer suggestions on what episodes to cut because I know that Obviously, the tornado shots on the chopping block. But if there's any other episodes we can cut to help improve the filler guide, please let me know. Um, you can email us at sentaitruther at gmail.com. I feel like there's definitely an argument to be made that some of these zords were not actually necessary to see. Because some of them basically never appear again in a significant way. Also, I can't in the remember. final battle, they mentioned some zords that we've never seen before. So, it There's zords from 3,000 years ago. So all, all I'm trying to say is that if you had missed the introduction of one of these zords that was less important, like the giraffe, um, and then the first your first time seeing the giraffe is in the finale, it wouldn't matter because there's some zords that you literally see briefly, but still see for the first time in the finale. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> If you guys so have I, any suggestions, please email yeah, us again. I think there's a case I'd be willing be to help the viewer at any point with this season because, unfortunately, as it stands, every episode's canon, with the tornado shot being the iffy one. Um, so if you guys have any suggestions, please let me know because the, the less you have to watch of this shitty season, the better. So Master Org returns into this new even better looking form not human at all completely org and looks kind of like jindrax a bit uh like a weird mishmash of like zenaku and jindrax and maybe another org that's been on screen before all in one uh i like his look he's pretty cool uh he basically does the end of power he basically does the end of the season shit where he destroys all the wild zords but he does it single-handedly it's kind of badass, but also it's such a long fucking slog of just, hey, look, some more Zords appear. They're going to help defend us. Oh, no, those Zords died. And every single time the Zords appear, Princess Shayla and the Power Rangers are all smiling and laughing like everything's fine now. Another Zord appeared. Literally, like Princess Shayla is like smiling and laughing every time, even though like seconds ago, another Zord was killed. She'll be like, haha, it's okay now because this time Deer Zord is here. It's going to be fine. Uh oh, wait, no, Deer Zord is dead. And then they're like holding the smashed glass in their hands, like going, oh my God. And there's just so much holding smashed glass shards and just repetition of the same thing over and over again that after a while, you're like, yeah, yeah, I get it. Master Org is really strong. I don't fucking care anymore. Yeah. Uh, and it starts to kind of sour the finale a bit. It should have been a case where, like they do in the end of Power Rangers other seasons, where they bring all of the Zords on screen and they just all get owned, right? Um, yeah, like, 
like keep building up the fight where it's like they bring out like one megazord that's not enough some more zords and megazords come it's still not enough and then just when they think that like they're finally going to win with overwhelming force master or just destroys all the zords in one fell swoop would have been way better instead of like 10 scenes of the exact same shit yeah and uh this kind of all culminates to where like all their zords are gone uh, Master Org is like basically threatening the end of the world to the point where like it starts thunderstorming, it becomes nighttime, he like clogs up the atmosphere, he sends uh minions out, org minions out, and the rangers also not only lose their wild swords, but in losing their wild swords, they lose their growl phones. <laughs> <laughs> so they can't morph. So they can't morph. <laughs> And I just want to say, uh, in one of the episodes, I think it was Never Give Up, uh, Max gets a call from Danny because uh, Max is like, there's like this whole superstition, superstitious type plot line in, in Never Give Up, I believe. Mm-hmm. And when he call, when Danny calls Max, it says Gal Black on the phone, which is reference to Gal Ranger. So I'm pretty sure it was just called Gal Phone. And they were just like, it's Growl Phone. <laughs> um so yeah they Fuck. lose their growl phones and so they can't morph and basically it's up to all of the rangers unmorph to like help save people and they save a couple of people uh cole has this really cool fight sequence where i you know like i actually don't know if the orgs are a bad thing just because like it's reintroducing nature into urban landscape because it's just like like master org's main shtick is like it's thunderstorming i guess there's acid rain that happens as well i guess but there's like plants growing and there's rain and it's kind of nice yeah but uh this of course means that hey there's gonna be a scene of cole swinging on a vine again and uh cole like rips off his uniform in the process and is all like I'm a power ranger, no matter if I can morph or not. And the other rangers are like, yeah. And, and they do their poses. And Danny's like, I'm the iron bison. And you're like, the, yeah, Danny, get it, dude. <laughs> the poses, the poses and like uh like drama of that scene. That scene is really good. It's, yes. It's a rare gem in just a very rough show but that scene in particular they're in the pouring rain it's just coming down on them in buckets and they all look mad as hell they can't morph they have no swords and they're just like fuck it and they're slapping the ground and doing their fucking poses anyway just like i'm a fucking tiger fuck you <laughs> let's fight like just 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 really like good good shit unfortunately uh, it's resolved in just the most basic Disney ending ass way of like them all having that emotional moment makes the Zords and the powers come back. Oh, okay, okay, P- fine, sure, whatever. Not only like makes the powers and the Zords come back, but makes like Zords from three thousand years ago resurrect and culminates in this ultra roar that uh, defeats Master Org. Yeah, there's like this part where there's like bouncy balls are hitting Master Org that all have swords inside them. It's just really lame and not good. Um, yeah. Um, also, one other part that I forgot to mention was uh, 
they obviously masterwork had to go into the animarium to uh destroy the wild zords there on the home on the home base but later on when master org becomes a, a giant again and terrorizes turtle cove the animarium swoops in and hits master org as like a sort of sky ship I... moment that is the dumbest thing ever. Oh my god, thank you for reminding me. Yeah. Um the Ragers then, like, you know, after the after the, the Ultra War happens, the do the org Arhart is there, which uh, I thought never existed. Um the Org Heart is there <laughs> and uh you know they destroy the Org Heart so Master Org won't come back. And we get treated to this epilogue scene of like a storybook ending for everyone. Okay, um, I like the epilogue, kind of. Like, I, I feel like some of the other seasons of Power Rangers kind of needed this to some extent. I'm trying to think of what season exactly needed this. I mean, I think... Um, Turbo, maybe? No, because Turbo had In Space. Um, in Space had an epilogue sequence. Lost I mean, Galaxy, they, a lot I of guess, them got an epilogue it. sequence later in the form of the crossovers. I'm just saying, though, that, like, I don't know. It would have been nice in some seasons to have a little bit of like, where where are all the rangers going? What are they going to do? Because um, sometimes you just feel like they it, it's just kind of this like, once you stop becoming a ranger, it's just this sort of like, you're no longer in the script. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> you know? Yeah, you, you um, start like fading from existence. Yeah. <laughs> um, um, yeah, so eventually let's go over the epilogues. Taylor... Yeah. Taylor, Taylor goes back, goes to, back the to the Air Force. She's seen as like an Amelia Earhart type figure. Whatever. Uh, she just gaslights the people around her about what she was doing all that time. They're like, yeah. what were you doing? Did you really go have magical adventures? She's like, magical adventures? Don't be stupid. Like, okay, thanks, Taylor. Yeah. Sam, not Sam. I was going to say Sam and Max. Danny and Max go on a worldwide adventure. They go traveling around the world and go visit places. And I'm like, yeah. that's really cool. Good for them. Okay, this is where I'm really convinced. Like, so originally, Danny is like sort of waiting to maybe get together with this woman when, you know, uh, when he's no longer living the dangerous lifestyle or whatever. That's but instead, the epilogue is just, no, these two just take off together around the world. And these pictures together, they're, like, wearing matching outfits. They're, like, feeding each other. They're, like, going on theme rides together. And you're just, like, these two are gay. <laughs> I, 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 I took this as, like, a, a Wild Boys type thing, the TV show, where you see Steve-O and... Uh... I forgot the other guy's name. Chris, I think it was. Uh, go around the world and like do the wildest shit wherever you can go. So I just took it as one of those. But hey, if you want to read into that, that'd be my guest. Uh, there was so much going on between those two. And then like I say, they just drop everything when it's all over and just run away together to just travel the world and do cutesy shit together. There's no like girls in these photographs. Like they're like out there meeting women around the world, like partying, you know, they're just with each other. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Hey, and I'm especially, happy for them. let's go. Especially cause all the other Rangers pretty much like fuck off and like, don't seem to want to be around each other anymore. Those two staying together is especially 
interesting <laughs> to me. Alyssa becomes a, I guess, a kindergarten teacher of sorts, or like yes. an elementary school mm -hmm. teacher, which is weird because she was already going to be a scientist. But I guess she already did like her studies, right? Because she won awards for her environmental sciences. So she probably just said, ah, fuck it. I'll just get into education. And Cole finally becomes a vet. I, well, they imply that. They don't say that. They're just like, he just goes on to use his love of animals to help the world. <laughs> sure. Um, and Merrick just uh, wanders off to find himself. As he's wandering away, oh, look, it's Zenaku still lingering there, still uh, taking up space rent free in Merrick's mind. Or maybe he's real? It doesn't seem like it, though, to me. It just seems like Merrick is just like grappling with, you know. <laughs> men would rather travel the world. <laughs> men, <laughs> men, <laughs> men would rather travel the countryside than go to therapy. <laughs> yeah and that's that's power rangers wild force ranger rankings let's do it cole cole is like the the worst ranger of all time worse than justin yeah i'm putting him at d i i let me say why for me he's worse than justin as much as I felt like Justin was cringe and ruined the show in a lot of ways, the actor was okay. And at times the character had aspects that were, even if very thinly, still mildly relatable. I never related to Cole for one second. I always found him to be a completely unbelievable and just shitty character. He did not even seem like a real person. I can at least say Justin at times seemed like a real person. I equivocate Cole's Red Ranger to Rocky's Red Ranger. That's He's worse than Rocky for me. I'm talking like Rocky Red Ranger. Like not, not Rocky with Blue Zio, but I think no. I think I, I, I can, a, I can I, designate I moments. <laughs> I can designate moments of Cole being cool on screen, right? There's certain action sequences that he's in that is really cool, and I have to give him that, but that's it. So to me, that's still worthy of at least a D. I was considering giving him an F because I don't like the character at all, but I will admit that there are certain times where I'm like, Cole is pretty cool here. And... I guess. Love it I... or hate it, it's Tarzan. Like, Disney's Tarzan came out, like, literally, like, a year or two before this. I, I know, I know. And I, I get it. Um, I just think... I, I just think he was never likable at all. Even Rocky Red Ranger, occasionally there were slight moments where I liked him a teeny tiny bit, even if it was very minuscule. I just disliked Cole the entire time. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> I mean, if you want to put him in F, I'm all for it. Uh, I mean, we don't have to I'm agree not on give this first day, we, but we both agree that he's absolutely just bottom barrel in any case. Like, <laughs> He's worse than every single 
he's worse than Leo. Which yeah, is saying he's, something. He's big time worse than Leo, which is really saying a lot. Oh my god. Yeah, so if you want to put him in F, sure, be my guest. I will only say that he, he, he finished strong. And the end of the Power Rangers was when he was at his best. Does that redeem everything? No. But <laughs> uh, I think that that last scene where he was saving people and he did the whole, you know, get the Rangers together and still, like, give some glimmer of hope that, like, everything was going to be okay at the end, that I thought was really cool. And that's better than I can say for Rocky's Red Ranger, where literally the only memory I have of Rocky Red Ranger outside of just being there is Rocky being an asshole to Tommy because Tommy was an imposter at that in the fucking yeah in those though that fucking season yeah so yeah that that was way better than anything that Rocky ever did the problem is is you also get the fact of like indigenous face um yeah. and literally everything else about the season that involves Cole yeah um taylor all right uh, yeah let's go through well <clears throat> let's okay, wait this might what surprise you this might surprise okay let me just lay out because you're gonna disagree with me a bunch probably let me just lay this out this is how i feel about it merrick cole max and taylor are all c's with taylor being the highest because sometimes you, you're you gotta not saying appreciate, cole you mean um, somebody else right? or sorry not cole i mean uh uh Sorry, just just Merrick, Taylor, and Max are all C's. Um, yeah, with Taylor as the that. highest. Merrick, Taylor, and who? Max. Max. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, varying degrees of C's. Merrick is high C. Taylor is probably mid C, if only because. She is supposed to be a fascist. Well, that's she the thing. That's why Taylor is actually, for me, she's the highest C of the three because she plays the character very well. The actress does a really good job. Um, and also, her character ends up being one of the more interesting ones. She's just interesting in a fascist kind of way. She's, it's, she's not likable by the end of it but you have to respect sometimes somebody playing portraying someone who isn't likable well and that's where i'm at with taylor is like i actually found myself over and over again thinking she's one of the best actresses this season her character is just bizarre and awful i think merrick is better than taylor if only because Merrick is more interesting of a character than Taylor. Fair Merrick enough. has the better backstory and Merrick has the cooler Zords, the cooler, the cooler Ranger stuff. His acting might not be that good. Um, but in my opinion, I think it has to do with the writing. Cause I feel like yeah. he wanted to do more with the character. You can kind of see it in his face too. And he's just like, I have to say this just like two words, unfortunately. And that's just the way it is. Also, as a fan of like having been a fan of early Aaron Hansen, as as problematic as that was back in the day, we got to throw some respect on that. I, I <laughs> we got to see Aaron Hansen as a Power Ranger, and I like that. I think that there's some who there's knew some this coolness. is how his career started. Yeah, there's some coolness <laughs> in that. 
<laughs> um, so yeah, we can all agree that they're in C. I think Merrick's higher than Taylor, um, but uh, Max definitely hairs. barely made it into C, and I think Max made it into C for two reasons, or actually no, just one reason: his bromance with Danny. His yeah. bromance with Danny uplifted him quite a lot. And then um, Danny and Alyssa are bees for me, with Danny being the higher one. Yes. I both. would give I would love to give Danny A, but he didn't get enough a. he didn't get enough screen time and they fucked him on some of the writing. And occasionally his acting is off too. Like he's mostly with it. But every now and again he's just like a little like Disney. And it's like Dude, you're not normally like this. You know? <laughs> like why why are you suddenly in this one scene acting like you just walked off the sweet life or some show like that? He's a when, sweet boy. When most of the time like you're not like he's sweet but he's like he's more like thoughtful sweet a lot of the time. And but then like it like is it it wasn't like a most of the time thing. It was just a thing every now and again I would notice I'd be like, "Oh, Danny, you really botched that line." You know, <laughs> like oh, yeah. just, just just like once in a while where he just like I say, it just you feel like he's he's uh, he's delivering it in his Hannah Montana voice, not his Power Rangers voice. <laughs> yeah, I can agree to that. Um, I think we're one on one on this. I think the only thing was yeah. was Cole. And realistically, it's literally because of that final scene in the end of the Power Rangers and how much you value that. And Alyssa um, literally just needed more screen time give me another really strong Alyssa episode she could have easily been an a yep but for the most part she just gets shoved to the back of things a lot taming of the zords could be seen as her second really good episode let's not go there at all (laughs) um uh, (laughs) depending on how you view that episode that might be an s tier character for you (laughs) but yeah she's just getting shoved to the back of the frame a lot normally you know um, you you don't really see her that much. You don't really hear from her that much, even though she's clearly got interesting things going on. Give her a couple more strong episodes. She could have been an A, probably. And honestly, like, if this season would have been killer if Alyssa had been like a Jen. Yes. Like, give Alyssa a huge spotlight and make her shadow leader, and let's rock. Um, I think, weirdly enough, this passes the Bechdel test, right? Yeah, I mean, Power Rangers pretty consistently does that. Not all the time, but yeah, you're right. Yeah. Um, they do, and a lot of the... Every season has had more than one important woman as a ranger, and those women have had important conversations, and then there's also been important women villains, and those women have had conversations with some of the women... That don't revolve around the guys. Yeah, and that, uh, very few of these conversations have been about dating or romance or shopping or anything else like sort of trivial and not <laughs> substantive. Um, there have occasionally been times where the Rangers talked about shopping. Happened in Lost <laughs> Galaxy a couple of times. <laughs> um, <laughs> but... Which is weird because they lived on a colony. Um, yeah, so... Where where are we ranking? What's the rating for the season? What are you giving it? I think I want to give it like a two. There are redeeming features, but they're not enough. They're just not enough. 
I like a lot of the concepts, like on a basic level. The mini Zords thing should have been awesome, in my opinion. Like the constantly, like let's get a a a, a new wild Zord, but oh, the wild Zords, you know, they're a little unpredictable. We have to kind of work with them. On paper, that actually sounds good. It really feels like there was a missed potential here. Uh, that like there was almost a really good season of Power Rangers here that got lost somewhere along the way. And that's what brings it up from being a zero for me is that sense. And I will say that compared to some of the other bad seasons we've seen, uh, Turbo had less of that sense in some ways. Yeah, that Turbo seemed like a shit everywhere. season all around. Yeah. The concepts weren't cool in Turbo. Like the, the, the very ideas behind the season weren't particularly cool. So Turbo was always sort of destined to just like, in my opinion, not be that good no matter what. But whereas this, like, you really feel like with some different writers, swap a few of the actors and shake things up a bit. And this could have been another phenomenal season, you know, just coming straight off of uh, Lightspeed and Time Force, just another, just another banger. And there's a few moments where you get reminded of that. But that's it. So, two out of ten. <clears throat> I struggle to rate this season, and I think it's because I watched a lot of these episodes out of order because I was trying to improve the filler guide. So I watched a lot of good episodes in a row. I watched the Danny episodes that were originally considered filler. You know, I watched the Alyssa episode that was originally considered filler. Uh, and then I watched, uh, you know, the Masters Herald, Fishing for a Friend, Stealing the Nexus, End of Power Rangers, kind of like in a row as well. So my rating fluctuates a lot. I think at its high point, this is probably like a 3.5 out of 10 there's too much bad i think i think our opinion had we had this filler guy tell us just watch every episode from the get i think we would have came out of this more positive I, because I don't, I don't think so actually i think i i was almost ready to give this season a goose egg at one point like just say that like yes maybe there's some episodes that are worth watching but the season itself is a complete failure you know like I was almost ready to go there, and I would say that like the episodes that um, we sort of caught up on at the last minute, to a large extent, helped me to not feel that way about it. Um, also, a little bit the finale, also a little bit some other things, but still, most a lot of it did have to do with like us putting those episodes back in. So I don't think that I would have rated it maybe like a three if we just watched them all in order, but I I swear it wouldn't have been higher than that. I think we would have been less salty about the beginning because I think we were excessively salty about the beginning because of how bad it was because it was another Lost Galaxy instance where we were going through this, the fucking episodes and we were like, this is so shitty and there's not much we can say here. Um, but I think had we had Click Click soon, had we had Never Give Up, you know, it would have helped contextualize what the villains were about because we continuously didn't know what the motivations were for the villains. We didn't yeah. know like so, why Cole was the leader, for example. 
Yeah. You know, um, there was a lot of shit that we didn't know and it wasn't explained except in these supposedly filler episodes that weren't filler. So I, I do think that that bears an effect on our rating on this season, whether we like it or not. And there's nothing we can change about that. Um, but I, I'm willing to I'm willing to bring down my expectations or not my expectations. I'm willing to bring down my rating on this just because, like, you're right. Like a lot of these, especially when they're going to just get new Zords and that's the purpose of the episode is bad. It's really bad. But like they also introduce, I thought that they introduced Zenaku later on in the season, like towards like episode 15 or something, but they didn't. They introduced that in like episode 10. And those episodes were pretty good. And then it started petering back down. And then it, and then it went down with Kite. You know, and that shit. And I think Cole, Cole is bad. And Merrick doesn't take up the Tommy mantle, you know? Whereas in season two, Rocky was bad, but Tommy made up for it. In this case, Cole still got a lot of screen time and Merrick was kind of just here and there, especially towards the middle when he was trying to like really decide if he wanted to be a part of the Power Rangers or not. So like you still had this sort of like almost sort of titanium Ranger feel to it where he just wasn't there all the time. I think I'm going to settle on a three for this. I'm willing to go even further down to like a 2.5, but I like Danny a lot. Uh, yeah. Even though obviously I'm kind of a little bit biased because Danny reminds me of my friend. My one of my best friends, um, but I think Danny comes off of as really charming, and he gets quite a bit of screen time, and uh, they, they even the rest of the Rangers love Danny. You know, they quote his catchphrase "Never give up" all the time, uh, and as annoying as it is, still it has some charm to it. Um, sure. Alyssa, Alyssa is also pretty good, and Aaron Hansen as a Ranger is somewhat charming. Uh, to watch. I know there's a lot of bad lines with him um, in particular where they just kind of don't know what to do with him outside of being dark and brooding, but he does his best, I'm sure. Especially since like these are all probably their first like acting gig too. And it's not the worst acting I've ever seen. Also, some of the Wild Zords are pretty cool. I like the Armadillo Zord, especially as the soccer ball. I like uh, the Deer Zord. The Deer Zord's really cute. Battle of the Zords, I think the Dark Zords, you know the the Predazord that that shit was really cool. Some of the 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 Megazord designs were really cool, and Jindrax. I think we we failed to really acknowledge Jindrax being really good, like as the season went on. And I think that the filler episodes also helped Toxica too. Yep, Toxica and Jindrax also benefited from the filler episodes a little. So yeah, so I think. All in all, those positives don't uplift the season a lot, but I think it at least uplifts it by three points at the very least. So I'm going to give it a three out of ten. Final yeah. thoughts? I think that's fair enough. Um, my final thoughts are just if this ending seemed a little final in certain respects, it's because uh, they thought they were once again canceling the show. <laughs> Yeah, the series uh, was getting passed. So so at this point of the show, 
Disney already bought Power Rangers. And they were kind of in this weird transition where pre-production was with Saban Group. But Disney still owned it. And Disney didn't really interfere much in this season. Despite, like, the very Disney-ified elements in the show. Well, you might wonder, was that to sell it? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, were they they kind of indicating, like, oh, yeah, you know, we're going to make it extra friendly for your channel or something. I don't know. Yeah, because they're like halfway through the season, it stopped airing on Fox Kids and then started airing on ABC Kids. Yeah. So um, it's, it's weird, man. And so um, then Disney got a hold of it and was like, yeah, we're probably not going to keep doing Power Rangers because they weren't like buying the rights. Um necessarily like entirely intentionally it was more of just like a thing where like they were buying a bunch of stuff and they ended up with power rangers uh this is also the last season to be produced in the united states yeah um because basically there was a big outcry not to end the power rangers and so what disney decided to do after this was to move the filming of the power rangers to new zealand to save money and to continue the show uh, which is why Ninja Storm exists, the next season that we're reviewing. Um, but the show almost ended again here. And I just kind of want to make note of that because I think it's interesting. Um, it's interesting on a few levels. First of all, it's worth noting that as much as we like them, um, Lightspeed Rescue and Time Force were only somewhat commercially successful compared to especially previous seasons. And that- This is all toy sales, by the way. Like, the... Back then, like you, you don't have the type of bullshit that you have now, where you can just be like, "Save my show," hashtag, and do this like really big social media movement, and then that interest would then drive viewing numbers. Back then, for kids' shows, it was always toy sales, and that would dictate how far a show goes. And Lightspeed Rescue, as we've noted, because it was a train season and America is super capitalist that didn't really jive well with with society um and then you know time force was very politically driven but also they can't do another time force in a post 9-11 world essentially yeah so the show was doing okay-ish before wild force but not amazing and then wild force was just obviously very unsuccessful um, not just the guests that we've had on, but everybody that we've talked to about Wild Force that remembers it from like watching it growing up or anything is like, yeah, that was that was when I started hating the Power Rangers. <laughs> you know, um, it yeah. was definitely like a very pretty universal. No one liked Wild Force that much that we spoke to. Now there are a certain contingent online that think it's okay, um, and they're wrong. Um, <laughs> I think that they're very wrong. But uh, if one of those people wants to like do like a patreon episode where we like debate whether or not wild force has merits with somebody who really thinks that they could prepare a strong defense for wild force i'm interested honestly like i i would be i would be interested to hear you out i'm probably not going to agree with you <laughs> but i don't I agree hear... to any debates my word is final but... <laughs> <laughs> I, i'm just saying it would be interesting to hear why 
people think so certain people think so much more of this season than we did or a lot of people that we talked to did on some level but that's about it yeah it's it's just it's just a goofy weird season you could see how the show almost ended but that also means that with that finality comes kind of a bit of a new era for the power rangers so with the beginning of power rangers ninja storm it's it's uh, sort of a, a fresh start and i think that'll be really interesting for us i think it'll be interesting for the listeners and um yeah it's the true beginning of the disney era of the power rangers so yeah a lot I'm, a lot of changes behind the scenes and i'm interested and i'm here for it i am very excited to see what comes of this because my memories end at ninja storm so i'd never experienced dino thunder and rpm and and shit like that so it's gonna be fun and I'm excited to to explore this newfound territory with you, Kennedy. Yeah. <laughs> Rangers, thank you so much for listening. If you liked what you heard, please make sure to rate our podcast five stars on iTunes and Stitcher. Subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen to them. And as always, you can find Kennedy and I on Twitter. I am at Gravcast and Kennedy is at Kennedy T. Cooper. Stay safe, Rangers. And may the power protect you.